to me, this will come down to basically if we're able to contain Jane Daniels. And by contain, I know he's not the great of a passer. We discussed that ad nauseum on here. If we're able to contain him and actually, because we saw last year with Syracuse with Gary Schrader, we didn't respect his legs at all. And he ran for almost 100 yards against us. If we're able to prevent Jane Daniels from extending the plays for his wide receivers, because eventually they will get open. We're able to contain him, prevent him from extending the plays. I see FSU winning this game. And also, for those gamblers out there, you see below bound lines, FSU plus four. Mike Norvell is undefeated against the spread against Mike, against Brian Kelly. So for those of you LSU fans out there, take the plus four because when we do beat your ass, it'll make you feel better at the end of the day. <laughs> right. Dave, we tried to tell them, didn't we? We tried. We really did. We tried so hard to tell them that FSU was going to go to New Orleans and beat the LSU Tigers. But did anyone listen? I think uh, I, I don't think everybody listened. And for those that didn't, eh, you know, you get to wake up happy on, on Monday. So I'm happy for you still. Uh, we're so happy and folks, we're happy for you to join us as a 2 one on a turned up Tuesday. But with that being said, let's go on with the show. You are locked on Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome back to another edition of Locked on Seminoles. What's up, everybody? It's your boy Drake here. Hopefully you had a wonderful Labor Day weekend, as we all did around here, and I'm joined today by Mr. David Wise, a.k.a. the Mr. Davey Pageviews, a.k.a. the best attorney I know. David, how's it going, my guy? F-S-U. F-S-U. Drake. Drake. This is a dangerous this is a dangerous time for us all. I'll tell you why. Because it's the first time in a while, years even, that I've woken up feeling like crap. This team could be good. I know what I'm about to do to myself. Uh, I'm getting those thoughts in my head of can this team win 10 games? You know, like it's it's that point and it feels good, you know? There's some mystery out there for us. But let's just enjoy this W, huh? The W oh, we, we said was going to happen. We said was going to happen if you didn't check, catch the intro before. We uh, kind of set it nicely to the LC fans that if you wanted to keep some of your money and kind of walk away, kind of bit a little bit bittersweet, you're taking the plus four. But, folks, before we dive into everything, thank you so much for being locked on Seminoles versus each and every single day. And don't forget, five-star reviews, you know, our podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, or we get your podcast from. And also, like this video, subscribe at the tippy, tip, tip, tippy top, and ding the little bell so you know when new content drops. And today... It's a turned up Tuesday. We're going to keep it positive. We're going to discuss the LSU game, our thoughts on it. Well, we, there are some valid criticisms, but, you know, Dave and I spoke before we got on here that those for we're, going to, we're going to leave those for tomorrow because I think today just let's just relish and enjoy the moment. Now, Dave, yeah, we got 25 minutes to get through this, 25 minutes to discuss the game of nausea and just all the positivity flowing through the air. Where do you want to start with first? I'll tell you where we're going to start, Drake. We're going to start in an unusual spot. We're going to start As with fitting. special teams. Drake, we won this game because of special teams. We owe an apology. Hold on. We owe an apology out there. We have criticized this special teams unit an awful lot. Day one, Mike Norvell's emphasis at his press conference was special teams. That's what we're going to do here at Florida State. And it's taken a while, but we block a field goal. 
We blocked that kick at the end. I mean, everyone did everything right. Nobody dropped any punts on our team, which is a crazy feeling. I mean, when's the last time you remember watching a game where we're, we feel comfortable catching punts and the other team has to hold their breath every time? It's been a minute, man. And not only that, Micah Pittman, I think on the first punt he caught, prevented probably probably would have been last year for some very bad field positioning. We're like, yeah. oh, instead of being you know inside the 10, we're kind of around the 16 or 17. We're gonna, I'm like, that is the difference between having really bad field teams unit and a competent field team unit. And also, shout out to Wyatt Rector, who was on both mm-hmm. of those fumbles. That kid, listen, we, we've given him a lot, not a lot of flack, but we're basically like, he's a preferred walk-on. We understand that he was a former athlete in, uh, in high school, was a QB at Western Michigan, and had, then had the leg injury. And like, okay, it's cute that he's, he's going to be one of your starting tight ends. Nah, man, that kid plays hard out. He probably was your MVP special teams if it wasn't for someone else by the name of basically Pokey Wilson. But I, it's funny how you start off te- the show today with special teams because that did win us the game, the blunders on the other team, and also cap more importantly, capitalizing on those blunders by the LSU special teams. And shout out to uh, Brian Kelly, the one coach he brought from Notre Dame was special teams coach. So uh, shout out to him for making that choice. You can't make that up, man. And how about Shaheem Brown in that spot at the end of the game? Like I like you, like everybody listening to this right now, was surrender cobra surrender cobring uh, in disbelief as to what we had just watched. Foregone conclusion. I literally said to my girlfriend, you don't miss extra points. That's she was like, what if we block it? I was like, that's not a thing that doesn't happen. And the one time we just execute perfectly and that outside blocker for LSU just kicks out for no good apparent reason whatsoever. And Shaheen Brown took 100% full advantage of that opportunity and enshrined himself in FSU lore. Yeah, see, I think it was also that I think it was all, not only that, I think it's because we stacked the box on that on the left side of the left side of the ball so much that basically they just let them unaccounted for. But I do think you're right that 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 was great special teams by Shaheen Brown. Also, shout out to John Pooches for finally actually having the pieces to basically put them in the positions to succeed. And folks, we're not going to talk about special teams much, much longer because, quite frankly, there was so much to be positive about. And I think, quite frankly, we'll be dedicating one segment to. The king himself, probably the number two, I think, for PFF quarterback in the country right now, and that yeah. is Mr. JT thirteen, Mr. Jordan Travis. But before we go on, before we go actually go on the offense, Dave, you have anything else before we dive into the offensive side of the ball and then defensive side of the ball at the end of the show? Yeah, I, last thing I'm going to say about special teams here is, man, I like the kickoff coverage. There's just so much after that game that you know you watch against Duquesne you're like god are we going to be able to do like half the things that we thought this team was going to be good at we have the athletes to be good on special team on kickoff coverage and that's exactly what we did against what was allegedly going to be one of the more difficult teams on our schedule so impressed with every facet of special teams except for one we're not going to talk about it uh yeah we, we like i said we will discuss all that stuff later on the week we will discuss that on tomorrow's <laughs> show on wednesday we kind of wrap up because we got a bye week. FSU is finally 2-0 for the first time since 2016. And we can finally say, like, hey, I think we actually have a pretty damn good football team actually on our hands. Elite lies are now becoming confirmed by facts, so it's not even lies. It is now fact. Truth. Elite truth. There you go. There you go, Davey. Well, before we get into that, folks, we were missing here locked on some of friends. Talk about friends over at Underdog Fantasy. This episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest way to spice up all your culturable season, whether it be on the website on the app or the Google Play Store. Underdog Fantasy is easy to play, allows you to win cold, hard cash in a single game, and also has investment banking from Mark Cuban, Kevin Durant, and even the GOAT Adam Schefter, and even so much more. And 
customer support because folks on other fancy apps, you whenever you have an issue, whether you need a player to come out or basically your, your app is never loading up, customer support is always harder to find. They are there for you, and it's the best in the business. So go on, go on over to underdogfancy.com today. Sign up with the promo code Locked On. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and Underdog will double. That's right, folks. They will double your first deposit up to $100. So deposit $100, you get $100 for free, and everything in life is best when it's free. Head over to Underdog Fantasy today and use promo code Locked On L O C K E D O N. Get on the pick'em action today. All right, Dave. We've already discussed the off. We've already discussed special teams, which I thought was a very interesting way to start off the show off. So hopefully the folks are still here and always focusing on being locked on semis first listen each and every single day. Because let's go and talk about the offense. And I might start this honestly, preferably with a apology to one Mr. Jordan Travis. Yeah. I was probably one of his probably was one of his harsher critics for the entire year last year heading into this season. And I did say in our hot take episode whether he could be probably a dual threat quarterback where he was able to, you know, account for 3,250 total yards. And yesterday we kind of said on Saturday, I mean, sorry, on Sunday morning when we did our game day preview episode that we thought the passing attack to running attack would be 65% to 35%. And we saw that no, no. That this was the showcase of Jordan Travis as a very, passer. very damn good passer. And yeah. whether it be basically extending the play with his legs, it showed me now that with Alex Atkins as his OC, he's able to cultivate an offense around his skill set. And now that he has the weapons around him with Deuce Span, Micah Pittman, Johnny Wilson, you mm-hmm. saw him basically making all these perfect throws. And quite honestly, I think he finished for what 260 total yards. Yep. Oh, no, easily, passing. Just passing. Yeah, yeah, 260 passing yards. He probably could have had maybe almost 350 plus if yeah. there was not five of those drops that occurred with also two touchdowns with one Micah Pittman and Johnny Wilson. And Jordan Travis right now, people were mocking him for being, you know, the, the bottom five quarterback in the conference. I think after yesterday, if he continues this up, he could definitely possibly be a top three QB in this conference, the conference quarterbacks too. Yeah, th- this is to be a top three quarterback in this conference is uh, I-, I don't even know what to say about that. Um, we we didn't when we did our you know talking about this all off season. Neither of us thought that was a realistic possibility, and he shut a lot of our criticisms up in this game. Like, were there some throws that you wish? were better like the overthrows on the deep balls yes but i have news for you trevor lawrence didn't have every deep ball it just doesn't happen the best quarterbacks in the world don't hit every pass so i i can't be critical of very much out of jordan travis that dude stood in there with pressure in his face on that targeting call being the best example and just delivered a dime beautiful on, beautiful on just the basket perfect throw and an equally perfect catch by pokey wilson and that's where we owe another shout out um pokey wilson by the way guys number seven receiver in the country per pff right now um that's that's incredible and we talked about this the last couple the last couple weeks you asked pokey wilson to be your number one receiver and i think his ceiling is limited um defenses can focus on him and that just takes away a lot of what he's good at but you don't ask too much of him. You ask him to be your third best receiver and you take you take the uh, the defense taking him in. Excuse me. You take away some of that attention from the defense. And man, he's just a damn good receiver. Um, we're we have four receivers right now in the PFF top 100, uh, including Johnny Wilson, Michael Pittman, Deuce Fan. 
that's three transfers, top 100 receivers, Ontario Wilson, number seven. Uh, you give Jordan Travis those kind of weapons, and uh, he makes some improvements in the offseason. And, I mean, look where we are. He looked he looked just as good, if not better, than DeAndre Francois, for example, who we thought was going to be you know, the next guy before what happened. So if Jordan Travis, man, if this is what his arm is going to look like, and this is what the receivers allow him to do, and if we're able to scheme around defensive line pressure, which, by the way, weren't all that bothered by that LSU pressure in this game. We worked around it just fine. And if we're able to continue to do that, Jordan Travis is going to be able to hit these passes, man. We're going to be able to win more football games than we thought. Like, suddenly this goes to, are we a 9 or 10 win team? Yeah, and I think it's more that we saw how comfortable Jordan looks back there. Like, it just seemed kind of different. Like, he was playing in the pocket differently, right? Yeah. We didn't see where basically – you saw actually with Jane Daniels, all the criticisms that we had with JT where he didn't let any, like some of the longer plays actually develop. Where actually you saw Jordan take his time, go back in the pocket, roll out to the left if needed, roll out to the right if needed, and then deliver just, like, beautiful pass after beautiful pass. Like, granted, the first TD to um, uh, Terry Wilson – you can definitely tell that was over, oh, that was underthrown, but he still was able to make a make a like a decent pass with like a also Ontario made a great catch, and then you see the actual breadbasket pass to Ontario for the second touchdown. Then he hits Micah Pittman in the hands. Where if you rewatch that tape, folks, Micah Pittman's le- uh, right arm, or you know his left hand was held by the DB. Yeah, and then you see Johnny Wilson where Johnny for some reason I don't know he can't catch TD in the in the red zone right now. He can do everything else, making acrobatic catch after acrobatic catch. So to me, I think that's something that. We'll send the boys over the jug machine overall, but you saw how Jordan now he understands that with this team, this is his team, this is his offense to run. And now I think you have with Alex Atkins kind of being the voice, and also I'm not gonna say right now, maybe with Kane Dillingham not limiting him and maybe not also basically calling the power plays for him. You see, Jordan is able to excel and execute with these weapons around him. And then this goes from basically being a team that I thought had the potential to win eight. I'm going to be elite line right now. I think you can, like you were saying, we can actually probably win win nine games. Yeah, this team. Yeah, nobody on the schedule is looking very daunting right now. Um, so yeah, there were just some some. They're not bizarre. They're really positive takeaways from that game. Like just visually, number one, Jordan Travis on essentially every snap where he was dropping back. His instinct was not to run. There were running lanes some of those times, but it seemed like both he and the coaching staff had made like a conscious decision of, nope, Jordan's going to throw this football. He's only going to take off if that's literally the only option. Or if gonna- it's literally wide open and super right. necessary. Like, if, like, you know you get 10 yards, but like, because you can see he still ran, I think it was eight carries for 31 yards. which is like yeah. four-yard average, which is fine. But like, you see like his longest run was for 23 yards. So he'll only ran when he needed to. Yeah, and like you, if you look at the box score of this game, you probably think, wow, we should be critical of the running game. This wasn't the case where like our running game was ineffective, I didn't think. Like, I, was I frustrated? And we'll get into this tomorrow with like some of the first down runs. Yeah, for sure. Um, but w- we didn't need the running game to do any more than it did. Uh, Jordan Travis was just doing it all himself. And it was really good to see that we're capable of doing that. Like on a day where the running game isn't asked to do much, or there's a guy out for the game or mm-hmm. just, you know, any, we go against an incredible run defense. It's going to be okay. And we weren't sure of that going into this game. I don't think. No, we weren't. And I think with the run game too, you kind of saw like, this is what basically where I was kind of pushing back on you a little bit with the defensive line of LSU. They were able to stop basically the run for a majority of the game. 
up until I guess was Ali Gay was uh, ejected for that egregious. That literally was just targeting, just for a second targeting. Um, good, good thing for him to take him out. And then hopefully, you know, Mason Smith basically he endures a full recovery. I think which just announced he actually has a torn ACL. So hopefully, for he has a speedy recovery. But then you saw what basically this offensive line they held their own, which they is did. something that basically. You saw kind of the left side of the line a little bit, kind of a, if you see the PFF grades right now, I think for run blocking, Jazz and Turrentine didn't do so great, Neo did Dylan Gibbons, but they were able to hold their own when it mattered in the pass blocking. And that's something that basically, you saw that Jordan had time. And now with yeah. Jordan actually having time, my my main criticism of him was like whether or not he'd be actually be able to execute with having time. Like, oh, I finally have time. What am I going to do here? And he shut my ass up. He literally was the reason why we won this game, aside from our defense, actually, what we're talking about right after this. Yeah, so, I mean, you go position by position on this team. Like, the running backs, again, I mean, if anything, they were the most underperforming unit on the offense, uh, which is just incredible. But the tight ends had a great game. Like, Cam McDonald caught two early passes right over the middle, and one, I think, was on third down. Like, I didn't expect him to catch a pass this game. And he caught not only caught a pass... He caught a very important pass. Um, you also had uh, who? Who was it? Was it Mark, Marcus Den Douglas that caught a pass down there near the goal line? That was another. I believe so. That was another important catch out of the tight end unit. Didn't expect that. These receivers played well. The offensive line held up against what everybody was telling us was going to be the best defensive line since I don't know. Name it. Well, okay, okay. Well, people say we're one of the best defensive lines. One of the best defensive lines. There were some colorful critics, some colorful LSU pundits talking about how we just we're going to lose by 100 because there's no chance we were ever going to be able to get a pass off. I yeah. mean, that's I mean, that's fair. I mean, we did see what some people were saying. We're lose 41 to 17. And I love Kenton Gibbs over a lockdown Wolfpack. He's like, oh, you know, they'll win by 20, which Kenton, I know you're listening right now. I'll, I'll catch you on lockdown ACC later this week, my guy. But like, no, you're right about that. Like people thought we we're going to get our our asses handed to us. And just frankly, no, that's not this, that's not this team anymore. Two years ago, maybe, but not this year's team. I'll tell you what made me proudest of this offense in this game. And maybe you you guys had this same observation. I was I was saying before the game, I was talking before the game about how in years past, we've always made it look on offense like the field is really small. And like the other team always makes the field look bigger than we do when they're on offense. And that's not a good thing. Obviously, you want the field to look big. So you're creating space. This game made the field. These offense made the game, the field look big. Like it looked like there were guys just in space at all times. Rarely was there a play where all our def all, all our receivers were covered and there was just like an opportunity for a coverage sack. The, the guys were open. Jordan Travis was able to sit there and find them and just an incredible all around performance. That makes me feel good going into that Louisville game, especially after a bye week. And I had that pegged as an L add another one to the win total. There's a lot of teams on this schedule that don't, that don't really scare me. I don't think anyone does. I mean, we'll talk about that probably later in the week. I know we're still on the high from Sunday. I mean, that's when we cool down a little bit. We can probably have like realistic expectations. But for, as of right now, yeah, we can go 12-0. and 0, And then yeah. a main part of that will actually be the defense as we discuss that right now. Yep. And now, Dave, one of the things that I, we said overall was with this defensive, just the defensive unit overall was that Mew and I were big fans of them. We were fans of Brandon Shan and Adam Fuller yeah. to an extent, folks. I'm still, you know, reserving my judgment on that for a full season. He's not the hook yet with me. But we saw this entire defensive unit kind of show up and show out. And we saw in prime time what it means to have someone like Jared Verse and Tata Bethune helming your defense. And also probably regional names that maybe somewhat household names now in a keen dent. Baby in love with Robert Cooper. Dave, this defense, how did it make you feel, my guy? 
I mean, I don't, I don't think I can fit this all into however long this segment ends up. So, you know, they keep, they kept having to say on the broadcast, the guy everybody wanted, and they were referring to Jared Burst, and we got him. And thank God we did, because at we said this before the game, as a pass rushing specialist right now, that guy is really hard to stop. I mean, he, his presence was felt almost every play he was on the field. And, you know, as he develops, he's going to, I think, not realize he doesn't have to, you know, win every single, he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to be the best player on the field every single player do the most important you can, thing you can the- also sometimes contain too contains right right game, my god we'll talk about it tomorrow but yeah but, you're right but we don't need to talk about that today because what he did do was impact the game and make it really hard for lsu to get going on offense and the whole defense did that as a whole like you pull up uh Jaden daniel's stat line and it looks so much better than it really was because i mean basically take 100 yards off from that last drive and he lost it last two essentially going into that he had 100 passing yards on the game and you take a, you can't take away his rushing. But if you look at the LSU rushing attack, setting aside Jane Daniels, which that's a whole separate conversation for another day, mm-hmm. they were useless. They couldn't run the ball. Um, Noah Kane was completely useless, uh, just like I said he would be. But this defensive line is everything it's hyped up to be. This again, I've said it before. This is going to contend to be one of the best defensive lines, not in the ACC, in the country, and it is. You saw it in this game. Uh, I know LSU's offensive line isn't necessarily the best in the country, uh, but we made it really hard for Jane Daniels to do anything, including with receivers that were the best on the field. Booty is one of the best receivers on the field, and he couldn't do anything. Right, he's an All-American. He couldn't do anything. Shout out to Akeem Dent. Shout out to Tatum Bethune. Shout out to Jared Verse. There's so many to shout out in this game. Everyone, everyone, did their job in this game. This Adam Fuller defense. I'm, what can you say about it? I mean, it feels like one of those championship defenses we had. Maybe the talent level is not exactly the same, but they're all playing together. Like there were no huge head scratching gains for the longest time in that game. That 25 yard run on the first series for LSU was like the longest play in the game for them. That's incredible. Yeah, and also one thing I was saying, I mean, I joined uh, Max Moody in his uh, Cinema Executive Brief Space, which folks like next time he does that, check it out. I think he does it for every halftime in one of his games, is that basically with uh, Jaden Daniels actually running around, I wanted them to continue to do that because I'd much rather like like limit them to those kind of chunk plays running-wise because eventually we were going to catch him. And also I'd yeah. rather him run than him pass it to either Kayshawn Butte or Malik Neighbors because those kids are... They had the probably the better. They had arguably the better wide receiver core and probably the best wide receiver core we will see all season long. And I'd much rather that you know keep it out of their hands and keep it in Jane Daniels' hands because you saw when he was asked to pass in certain downs. Aside from the one pass to a uh, attempted over to Keishon Butte where Keem Dent almost kind of pile drived him in the end zone. Yeah, where that was basically my man made a business decision to not get hit across the middle. Aside from that, Jane Daniels was very. I guess pedestrian is a good way to put it when it came to passing the football. But you're right. Overall, with his defense, we'll talk about basically personnel decisions and also kind of the last two drives that we saw against LSU tomorrow. But overall, there's not much to nitpick from the defense aside from like saying, I wanted to see more. I wanted to see basically Tatum Bethune be out there a little bit. And I think now Akeem Dent, we were saying coming into the season that I think he'll end up being the best safety out of the two between Jamie Robinson and Akeem Dent. And right now, so far after two games, I think that's holding true. And Akeem Dent is finally, finally living up to his five-star billing. And we finally showed to LSU who the real DBU is around here. 
yeah, like again, there's what more can you say, man? We we get Tatum Bethune's awesome. <laughs> I think Tatum Bethune's just awesome. No, we have a good linebacker now. <laughs> we we really do, and like there there were just so many guys I was impressed with on defense. Like I thought Kalen Deloach played a great game. Yeah, that, yeah. That that dude is way more explosive than I think a lot of people realize. Obviously, Jared Verse with the two sacks and the two and a half tackles for loss. We ended the game with six tackles for loss and four sacks. And we already knew Jaden Daniels. I mean, everybody that knew anything about any football ever could have told you that Jaden Daniels isn't a great passer and that he's regressed basically every game since his freshman year. However, he couldn't do anything. Those receivers couldn't find any space. Like, yeah, there were some plays when they were open, but this defense shut LSU the hell down. Like, it's just, it's nice that it feels like, and and I know this is going to sound weird because those last two drives probably left a sour taste in some people's mouths about this defense, and it shouldn't. That was a prevent defense. I wonder if there were some like Jacksonville State flashbacks in the back of uh, Fuller's mind that were like, nope, we're doing prevent. Not doing that again. Couldn't blame him if that was his thought, although the three-man rush was frustrating sometimes. But um, it doesn't feel like if we're in a big game and we need a stand at the end of the game, like I'm really worried or like I know this isn't going to happen. Like I know they're going to give up those points. That's not the case, man. I actually would be more. I am confident that we're going to be able to get their quarterback on the ground or that their receivers just aren't going to be able to get open and they're just going to have to pray for a 50-50 ball. And that's a good that's a good situation to be with this defense. One of the things that, like, I guess you and Max kind of introduced me to was basically some of the calls that Gene Deckerhoff had on the radio and you kind of how he always heard, you know, taken down by a swarm of Seminoles. And you kind of saw that with each and every single play yep. where this team, this defense, for the first time in a long time, felt tougher. Organized. Felt organized. Felt coordinated. It would look calculated in every single play. Now, some of the execution towards the end of the game, obviously, wasn't there because... A lot of them were gas. That's why we saw the rotational pieces. We saw a lot more of the backups coming in too. But there really was no one player I can point to and saying that that person had a bad game. I can't really go back, you know, back and forth. Maybe the roughing penalty on Akeem, I wouldn't have called that, but that's something that you yeah. can't be doing that at the end of a game. And that probably prevented him from probably being probably your highest rated defender aside from Jared Verse. And then some that Jamie Robinson holding call that was that was some BS. Yeah. Like the referee, the referees probably were the worst part of the night. But that's something that if you watch college football, we all should be used to it by now. We never are going to be used to it, but more to matter for that. So to me, overall, this defense it just felt like for the first time as a whole, and both units as a whole, it felt like an actual damn football team. We both felt like we were both on the same page. Now tomorrow, obviously, we're going to discuss some of the stuff that we can criticize about. We're going to talk about the pitch play, folks. We'll talk about the goal line fade, which. I think we should ban fade routes from the goal line from the playbook. Please leave that out of it. Some of the coaching decisions, but overall, to me, this felt like the first complete game that we played all season long. All I mean, all of his tenure long because UNC year one, we basically held on for dear life the first yeah. game. Same thing with Miami last year because Tyler Van Dyke almost won that game for them them by himself. This was the first game in three years under Mac Norvell where it felt like you were executing on all on all cylinders, executing from every single vantage point. And overall, to me, this is the most complete game that we've needed to see from him for a very long time. And a must-win game that you were saying earlier. I, I know we just held on to win, but we dominated that football game. We should have won by. We also, we should we should have won by uh, fourteen more points. It should be like forty-one to the seventeen game. So many reasons we should never have been in that spot. We were. That's the reality we live in. But and we'll touch on it. Anyone watching 
saw that Florida State was the better team in that game, in that primetime spot against Brian Kelly, being a big, high-paid coach. Didn't matter. We were the better team. That's a great feeling. It's a great feeling, folks. No greater feeling is having you join us each and every single day. Talk about your favorite Florida State Samuel sports teams, whether it be football, baseball, basketball. But as of right now, football is in full swing. We are 2-0 for the first time since 2016. And as the New Orleans folks say over there in Louisiana, let the good times roll into the bye week undefeated. Dave, let the folks know what we're doing the podcast and the YouTube. All right, guys. You can find us anywhere you get your podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Google Play, or the YouTube. Give us a like if you like the video. It's a winning episode. It's a it's a happy time. Give us a like. Uh, subscribe to the channel. Um, ding the little bell at the top. It'll tell you when the episodes drop. And leave us a comment down below. Give us your positive takeaways. Do you disagree with anything we said today? Is there anything you want us to get to criticism wise? To criticism wise tomorrow, let us know. And folks, as as Dave was just saying, tomorrow we'll be back. We're basically we'll do a deeper dive because there is some stuff that we do need to talk about overall with this team. There's no better time to do it. And during the bye week, and also looking forward to the Louisville matchup we have two weeks from now, we'll have Dalton Penson from Locked On Louisville on, and also we'll try to reach out over to uh, Jacob Blaine from the state of Louisville. But with that being said, this was Drake, and that was Dave, and we'll see you all next time on Locked On Seminoles. Take care, everybody. Another W.